Welcome to Silicon Valley Momentum, where advisor and author Roland Siebeling talks all things tech startups and brings you interviews with founders across the world. Now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to the Midstage Startup Momentum podcast. I'm your host, Roland Siebeling, and I'm a startup coach, and I have today with me two co-founders from Luxtech, a truly global company that I want to hear all about. Renee Bernard is the business co-founder and Jeff McDonald is the technical co-founder. Thank you guys for joining. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Yeah, let's make this happen. Let's make this happen. Excellent. So Renee, I'm going to start with you. Luxtech, what kind of company is it? What do you do? And especially, what difference do you make in the world? Wow. Okay. So we are here to create a world of honesty where people don't cheat each other and don't even have a chance to do so because we secure items, assets, and even graduation certificates using digital certificates of authenticity using blockchain technology, which is one of the latest hype technologies in security. And we are engaging consumers with connecting them to the products and the manufacturers through tag. That is where the name Luxtag comes from. Mm -hmm. And when you asked what is Luxtag about, it's, uh, it, it came from luxury product tagging. But at this moment, we are not only at luxury, we are actually, as you mentioned, a global company in various industry sectors at this moment, tagging physical items, assets, and even intangible assets uh, to make them secure and engageable. Excellent. Okay, so then, Jeff, we do have to hear a little bit more about this little keyword that some people may have heard about blockchain, right? So uh, let's take away the veil of ignorance. Of course, everyone knows about blockchain. So is this closely related to trend around non-fungible tokens and authenticity that way? Can you engage our technical audience with exactly how are you doing this? Sure. Yes. And so, you know, Renee and I have been in the blockchain world for many years, uh, mm -hmm. since 2013 or before. And we were very fascinated originally by the idea of Bitcoin, of course, because that's what was popular back then. And Bitcoin allowed for, for the first time ever, this new kind of uh, asset class, this new kind of money, this money of the internet that you could be Nick Sabo, a famous blogger, says uh, trust minimized, or as other people in the community say, trustless. And that mm -hmm. means that it's, it's money on the internet that you don't have to have a third party. You don't have to take someone's word for it. It's digital money, but it can be your money. It's not mm -hmm. the banks or the governments. And like I said, this was a new digital asset class. But when we examined the technical aspects of the blockchain, even back in 2013 and 2014, we knew that it wouldn't be the only asset class. We knew that other than Bitcoin, people would start making their own coins, companies would start making their own coins, and that there would even be something which, as you mentioned, was called an NFT, a non-fungible token. Mm -hmm. This is kind of like an asset class where you can think of a Bitcoin as a fungible coin, a whole coin, yeah. money itself. A non-fungible token is an individual token. It's a unique token. It's a specialized token. It's a one of a kind. It's a collector's item. And we like realized ownership certificates in the old world. Yes, exactly. Or, or, or you, you could think of like a, a property title. Every property title yeah. for a house, in theory, should be at least a little bit different than mm -hmm. the property title next to it because they all have a little bit of different information in it. Mm -hmm. And 
we realized that the blockchain could be used not just to store assets like money, fungible assets, but also unique assets. Mm -hmm. and, and so this was, you know, back in, by 2016, we started working on this idea of non-fungible tokens. Now the idea didn't exist back then. This word non-fungible token hadn't been invented yet. And so we actually developed a standard called the Apostle Standard, which I was, I was the main author of the Apostle Standard and, you know, talked about it with Renee, talked about it with our third co-founder, Faiz, who isn't here with us today, but had a lot of great input. Mm -hmm. And we thought, yes, you know, this, this is going to be big. We should make a company making these things, these, these tokens that are non-fungible using the blockchain to secure them. Everybody can see it. Everybody can understand what it is. Everybody can know that this unique asset is on the blockchain and who it belongs to. And we thought, wow, this is going to be great. The world could use this in a hundred different use cases. Awesome. So not just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a, not just property titles, but yes, you could make little items and video games, or you could use it for secure, securing birth certificates mm -hmm. or graduate diplomas or identification. You could even use it to make a voting registration card and then use that voting registration card on the blockchain to vote. And your vote itself could be a non-fungible token. Right. And, and so like we were just fascinated with this idea, thinking about, yes, blockchain is going to explode. Money is going to explode. And when it does, we will be there to take a part of this non-fungible token economy. Excellent. So before I, of course, I want to hear many more examples of how you apply this and which use cases you're primarily uh, supporting so far. But before that, I'm actually intrigued in hearing about your history, because you said you were both engaged in Bitcoin already in 2013. But can you guys tell me a little bit more about how did you meet? What was your background? And, you know, I do think our audience actually also wants to hear what is that global company all about? Where are you based and where are you from? Shall we start with Renee? Hey, okay. So, uh, yes, we are now based with our headquarter in Malaysia, Southeast Asia. Actually, Malaysia is uh, directly next to Singapore, which is known as a big business hub, uh, but it is a much more um, affordable seat for a company, uh, office space, more affordable uh, salaries and, and all the utilities you need to uh, spend money on as a startup. So we are uh, very well positioned here in a good environment with a good support from the local government as a startup business. Happy to be here, but our market is not only here. Our market is truly global. Yeah. And uh, so we are are hoping to leverage on a rather low cost environment and international funds with an international pricing level flowing in. That's one of our little uh, secret sources in the startup. I can actually say more than a three quarter of our funding uh, came in uh, cryptocurrency tokens. And as believers, we are people who not easily let go of these tokens um, because why to sell them when we know they will be going up until, oh. until the market shows us, yeah, we might be right, but it's a, it's a long-term game and a startup uh, business and making it uh, to a break-even point of uh, more revenue than uh, running cost is a short-term game or short or mid-term game, right? It's not that we have unlimited time or, or like um, five years, 10 years to make it, whereby with uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency tokens, we are in it for the long-term. So this is uh, the little thing which is haunting us until now. 
Yeah. And even nowadays, we are, uh, we did not break even yet as a business, even though it's already going to our fourth year right now. Uh, we did not break even. We are still using up our cryptocurrency funds from investment rounds. And we are uh, hoping for the best and <laughs> doing the best on two fronts now uh, on startup work, right? To bring in business, bring in revenue. Yeah. And the second leg of, of hope here is uh, that the, uh, uh, we can extend our runway even throughout the token appreciations but that yeah. is like a, it's, it's like it's a multiplier of risk which i think is maybe one of the learnings um which uh, uh like it it's risky to run a startup business already and to even um, have majority of your treasury in an asset class which is highly volatile is another risk enhancer yeah, yeah. Let's say. no matter how big of a believer you are right yeah, well, look, as 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 a startup founder, as an entrepreneur, you need to be able to believe in your product. You need to be able to believe in your technology, and that was that was never our problem. We were always thinking that this was going to happen, and it more or less has happened, like we thought. What we didn't predict was the high volatility. Yep. And I would I would lead in, and Renee knows more about this, or can probably speak to it a little bit better, but. It's not just our treasury management. So we we definitely had lessons learned with treasury management, making sure that if you're holding an asset class that you could manage it correctly. Like we, we there's things that we could have done. We could have put in some margin orders, like, you know, 10% of the supply and put in a short uh, at a leverage. So if the market went down, we would be covered. And that's that's why going short and long was originally invented on the stock market was so that, you know, farmers or people in, in the oil company or any commodity can make sure that their future expenses were covered. That was one thing that we could have done with treasury management. But another problem with the boom and bust cycles of the blockchain is that it affects our customers, right? It's because when when people have made money, they want to, and, and the times are good and the economy is good, people want to reinvest. People want to explore. But when times are bad, when, when there's been a boom, or when blockchain as an industry as a whole has gone through a lot of negative press cycles, yeah. then our customers are more hesitant. Yeah. So, you know, we have a kind of double whammy or double win uh, multiplier working in the blockchain industry. We, we have our ability of our, of our past funds to go up and, and give us more runway, but we also get more clients when, whenever the, the market is good. And, and, and the opposite happens. Uh, whenever, whenever blockchain is going through a down cycle too. And so this is mm -hmm. something that we as startup founders have had to try to learn how to prepare for and react to. And, and blockchain is such a new industry and such a new phase that I think that, you know, we we're learning this, at least we're learning this lesson before a lot of people. And so maybe I could share that. A lot of this sounds obvious to the listeners, right? But this was this was some lessons that were learned. Nobody told us this, you know, yeah. it, it was it was a lesson that was learned. In hindsight, it seems pretty obvious. Yeah, so maybe, you know, Renee, we can we can also start moving to the, the customers we talked about, right? So where does Luxtag apply? What what businesses do you serve, businesses or consumers, in, in fact? And which use cases have you found the most compelling for Luxtech? Okay, yes. 
uh, because we are a business company after all, and the uh, business model is from serving customers and make them pay for our solutions. Yes, not only to grow token prices of uh, cryptocurrencies. Right. Yes. Right. So we had started, as our name says, and as I introduced Lux Tag with the focus on luxury uh, product uh, manufacturers, because we saw that uh, this is something where we need customer engagement, we need authenticity, we need even an ownership tracking system, uh, and uh, we did not Actually, want to deal verifying with... verifying that the Louis Vuitton bag is, is uh, uh, authentic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Authentic, and then you own it, and, and maybe even some provenance. Where does it come from? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we did not want to go into the sector of the government-controlled ownership uh, registries, like the land registries or or even right. medical matters, which which has is, is a regulatory burden there or complicated to start. So this private sector, valuable mm -hmm. items, was a very clear use case. And that was even what we initially uh, pitched, brought forward. And we had uh, gone to, to Switzerland. We, we actually proudly we met with the large watchmaker brands we uh, we had engagements however it's not easy for a um, innovative tech disruptor startup company to work with these hundred years old established brands mm -hmm. perhaps um, maybe a brand like for example Rolex uh, they, mm -hmm. they they create their own steel their own glass their own everything right it's in-house everything and and they wouldn't just outsource the technology for some blockchain tagging to a startup from <laughs> Southeast Asia right so so we were a bit naive in going that way, um, trying to offer our services, but we met companies like uh, like this one and, and uh, in, in that in the category. So, but we learned our lessons that that's not the best way to go forward. So we went broader, and uh, they, then we got success in uh, mainly two sectors. One is the food and beverage sector, okay. where people where people genuinely care about what they eat. Is it really organic, or is it really from where it it's it, it's uh, it says uh, to be? Second sector where we are now in is educational credentials, micro credentials, okay. which uh, links uh, which links the the, the regulated educational sector into a wallet of your credentials yep. besides the micro-credentials of the other smaller educational institutions all can form a ECV uh, with authentication tags and, and all these features around serves uh, uh, the headhunters, the job portals, the employers, uh, universities and the graduates or for lifelong learning and yes. all authenticated. So we have F&B, we have this um, educational and another uh, sector we are working now is uh, actually not really a sector, but it's part of the business model. It's the software as a solution system, like a SaaS mm -hmm. model, which we call brand tag. Yes. By Luxtag, yeah. Brand Tag is the solution, which is a uh, DIY uh, um, sign-up solution where you uh, prove that you are that company. We will do a verification check on you. You upload a trademark document, and then you can create SKUs. You can create products. You can serialize your produce, and you can download uh, serialized codes, QR codes, or even order from us NFC tags, which we ship you to attach to the products, and then you can. Um, like a little bit like a Wix editor, website editor, you can design a verification page for your end consumers, a verification engagement page. Yes. So, so it's a it's a DIY solution where you pay a subscription fee, and you can tag whatever you want. How long does it take you to land on these verticals as your success verticals? 
three years. Three years. We are slow. <laughs> we are slow with validation and with these things. It it took us, uh, you know, we uh, so, sorry to answer to this one right now. Uh, it's it's uh, maybe it's not exactly to your question now. How long did it take? It's a bit <laughs> another thing. We actually we did lots of mistakes in our startup journey. We came from the technology side that we were technology people. We loved this new cool technology and we wanted to embed it into the real world. Now find a problem which our cool technology can solve. And normally the startup approach is a bit different. You identify problems first and then you you well, you, you should, but technologies. I still wouldn't want to be yeah. entrepreneurs that start on the solution side, especially in the Bitcoin and uh, blockchain world, of course, ah, yes. right? So yes. uh, this is why I love talking to to people with European background as entrepreneurs, because you know they're not afraid to talk about their problems and their mistakes. That's harder with Americans, right, Jeff? Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I always want to spin the good side of the story, but that's because I'm positive, very positive. Absolutely, and I think that uh, you know, good entrepreneurs can do both, right? And and uh, also open up a little bit about where they can still improve. And I think that uh, that makes them ever so more credible. So, I love this. Um, so, how about your team? Can you talk a little bit about uh, the history of the team? Um, and I'm guessing that uh, maybe there was some difficulty as well at some point in time when your your funding dried up so much. Um, how did you cope with all of that? And and how's the team looking like now? Maybe Jeff again. I mean, I, I can speak to the technology side. Yeah. You know, it's a blockchain is such a new technology that yeah. you're always having to teach the developers. You know, uh, it's it's there's very few university programs where you can just hire somebody. Now that is coming. It is coming. There are some universities doing that, but especially you know when we started in in Luxtag, there was none of that right anywhere in in the whole world. There wasn't a single program, and so we had to teach our developers everything from scratch. And then the big problem that you have next is that when the markets are hot, everybody's willing to pay a lot of money for a developer. Yeah. And so, so there's there's a lot of people that will offer our developers extra money, a higher salary to go work for them. Now, luckily, we have a nice office atmosphere. Okay. Uh, everybody likes each other. And a lot of times our developers will just come and tell us, hey, so-and-so offered me a job. You know? <laughs> um, and, and then Renee says, please stay, please stay. And they say, okay. Uh, he, he's been a, a, a wonderful uh, head of the company. Uh, it creates a, a positive atmosphere uh, that makes people want to stay so but but eventually yes uh, we, we do have some people leaving most founders always want to hear like uh, how have you divided up your resources like how much is in business how much is in tech uh, how much is in admin at this stage Right. Okay, I think I can. Yeah, I can respond to that. So um, we have, um, we can divide it to these three categories. Yes, sounds good. Uh, sales, business development, tech, and admin. Uh, and we have now the majority of our focus on the business development and sales. Uh, and then uh, on the second uh, rank would be uh, tech expenditure and mainly obviously salaries. And then the last one, uh, like uh, management and admin uh, part. But we, uh, as a technology company, sometimes I feel we might 
might need to put more towards uh, tech. But then it is, uh, we can build the greatest things if we don't sell them for who do we build them, right? So we need to build the business and, and the business models around it and even designing the, let's call it like the designing the solutions uh, and, and doing the validations and talking to the uh, customers. This is like, a, uh, doesn't require a blockchain developer, but a, a business engineer. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's exactly. This is not um, maybe with your SaaS product at some point in time you'll get some product-led growth where you know people just sign up and it starts growing. But that's uh, still a, mm. a pipe dream for a lot of uh, companies. Yes. Well, yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> we did soft launch. We did soft launch our um, our SaaS solution, and we are accepting now. Uh, let's call it trial users. Obviously, free trials uh, to get more insights on what needs to be tweaked before we do the proper uh, paid launch. Uh, hopefully in july this year uh, so so yeah that is where the tech team is now tech and designer team is, is working on that right now with our awesome. first uh, software that just leads me to what you want listeners from this podcast to get out of this and how they can help you so it sounds like you have a trial right ready for that yeah well, i mean well we we have multiple products de depending on what the customer is and and what they want to use so you know i would suggest that people come to our website we have a uh, brand tag for uh you know products like like renee was saying possible food products we have mm -hmm. another uh product that you could uh, come and try out called papyrus uh you could use that and uh, e-scroll for documents. We have, we have a quite a few different things. And of course we have an app that's been launched on the, the Apple store and the Google store. So if you wanted to come into one of these programs like Papyrus or uh, Brandtag and, and make some items, then there's a way also to you know, stamp your items on the blockchain, use our, use our desktop app through the LuxTag website, produce items, make basically non-fungible uh, assets on the blockchain, and then have those visible to your customers on the app that they can download to the store. And it, it, it's, uh, it's quite cheap. It's a lot. Cool, it's a lot. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And to high value is what you're saying, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, Renee. You want to add to that? Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to say uh, what I would love to um, uh, convey to the listeners here. Uh, another interesting uh, thing, an opportunity for everybody. We at Luxtag, especially Jeff and I, had been discussing about this earlier a lot. Like we want to scale up our outreach, right? Yeah. Our outreach uh, to uh, businesses in the world and to in enable others to work with us uh, in, in making that happen. So, mm -hmm. so actually, uh, we, we had partnered with a Danish uh, company uh, uh, to set up Brand Tag Europe, and they okay. represent and resell our Brand Tag solution in Europe, and they are helping us a lot with giving direct good feedback on how to build the product. They have uh, good cost, uh, customer exposure. Uh, so we are at the moment, we are looking for partners and resellers around the world, co-shaping this um, solution and then reselling uh, in a, a revenue share uh, model with us. So this is something what our business development efforts are towards not only towards customers, but even towards partners and resellers, because we, we think that's the best way how to leverage. And ideally, we are looking for partners with business and, um, and the exposure uh, towards uh, 
maybe packaging, uh, uh, distribution, maybe services for the manufacturing industries. Uh, yes. It can be even law firms, you know, somebody who's interested in using and deploying this technology without reinventing it. We have it. Please yes. work with us and embed it into the real industry. So our last question is always, um, you know, with all that experience in running uh, not only Luxtag, but I think, Renee, you mentioned this, their third company already, and Jeff, I'm sure you have some experience there as well. What would be like the one lesson you would give to founders coming after you? And what have you learned about being a founder that uh, you wouldn't have thought before? What would be the one lesson to impart? Let's start with Jeff. To get a very good business partner like Renee. To find a very good partner that can balance you out and, and knows because no single entrepreneur, unless you're just extremely lucky, is going to hit a home run their first time around. Finding somebody who's experienced, finding someone who's connected uh, and, and, and understands the, the whole scene. Uh, and I think that you really need to understand what it's like to run a business you really need to understand what it's like to have a product and you really need to understand your customer base. And so having different people in your, your company that can know these different parts and specialize on it, I think is a, is a wonderful way to, to spread. Get start off with a really great team. I think that's one thing about Renee and myself is that we're both lifetime learners. Yes. Uh, and we we're, we're not complacent. We want to build and we want to make the world better. And we're always bouncing ideas back and forth between each other. Uh, my advice is um, validate uh, better. Uh, make sure that you, uh, you're working into the right direction because what we did is that we lost, uh, not months, but we lost almost years of time mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm telling myself now it's a it's an expensive learning curve like to stay optimistic that it was a good yeah. time yes 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 but <laughs> we could have saved a year or two and maybe a few hundred thousand dollars too so uh that's that's one thing and validate better that links even towards the the team which uh we had now lacked the uh, exposure or the experience and knowledge about the target business sectors we want to approach and right. validate or sell towards you know tech people admin people business people but even the business people we had hired and we are working with right now are more from the technology sector uh, mm. people uh, i need actually i i would wish to i would advise now others hire people from the field you want to attack on one of the things that we learned is that we Everything was blockchain at the beginning. We got, you know, people that knew blockchain this and blockchain that. And if we were going to pick, you know, luxury items, we should have immediately hired people in the luxury good. Or if we were going to build our product around food, we should have hired some people that had specialized in the food industry with a lot of connections. I think if Renee and I could go back and do that over again, we definitely would have. Awesome. Okay. Yes, that's great advice. Get um, get more customer orientation and then uh, involve yourself in that world. Well, awesome. Uh, we are out of time. So thank you so much, Jeff McDonald and uh, René Bernard, if I pronounced that correctly this time, the technical <laughs> and co-founders of uh, Luxtag. It was an honor to have you on the podcast and thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day.
Like what you heard? Subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Tune in next time for more tech news and interviews with some of the brightest minds in tech today.